The postseason is here, and the Ringer NBA show has you covered with Real Ones, Group Chat, The Answer, and Ringer NBA postgame. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. We've done a series of shows on our top targets for 2021. Well, I did some of them. I was gone for some. You guys have done all of them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We're mostly looking at just players we love for this year, or just values we love. And today we're going to talk about running backs, but not the first round, because we kind of did that already. And if you want to hear about the first pick or first first round running backs, you can hear that from a few weeks ago. But today we're going to look at like better values later in drafts. And again, these are just dudes we just really like. So without further ado, right off the top, DK, give us a running back, your top target at running back for 2021. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if it's my my overall number one top target, but I think Chris Carson right now is looking like wow, a good value. Craig, Craig's just rolling his eyes. He's just rolling his is eyes. Is this going to be the whole year? Just you talk about the Seahawks and Craig talks about the Rams? Yes, I think so. It's, you know, it's it's going to be part of my bit, but really I do think that the overall Seahawks offense is being undervalued by because of what happened in the second half of last year. Um we'll get to that in a second, but first just want to break down Chris Carson. So clearly and easily Seattle's most talented, most trusted, like Pete Carroll trusted with his life. Um and highest paid running back by the way. His life? And to me that all He trusts him with his life but perhaps not the football. Have you seen, Chris Carson fumbles a lot to trust him with the with his life. That's so that's exactly what I was going to say is even during Carson's infamous fumble spate last year, Pete Carroll stuck with him like even the media was like okay dude it's time to bench this guy. He's clearly got, you know, the yips or something. Something's happening. And Pete Carroll's like no, we trust him. Was this last year or the year before? I can't remember. Two years ago. Regardless. Time is time is gone. Doesn't time, exist anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I can't I have no concept of it anymore. But regardless, he clearly has Pete Carroll's trust. It, it, and going back even further, like he was Pete Carroll's guy in the draft. According to the stories that we heard after the draft, Pete Carroll got to pick one of two seventh round picks that year. The the, the two picks they picked in that round were uh David Moore and Chris Carson. And Chris Carson was like Pete Carroll's pick. He liked the guy for Wait whatever reason. Are you saying the Seahawks picked players the way like you'll pick car, you'll pick songs with your friend in the car? Like, oh, I'll cue one and then you cue one. They just, that's how they do it. So I think that maybe in the seventh round, there, there's certainly like a aspect of, you know, letting coaches have some input um, throughout the draft. I think in the seventh round, there's a lot of things that go into it, like you know, positions that you think you're not going to be able to get in, in undrafted free agency because you drafted two or three guys. Like, say you draft two or three wide receivers in the draft, um, you're not going to get probably many undrafted free agents at the receiver position because agents are going to be like, "Hey, look, they already drafted two guys. You're going to have to beat out these rookies." Not to mention the other guys. So sometimes you use those seventh round picks to take positions you're not going to get in undrafted free agency. Other times, I really don't think like teams value seventh round picks as much as like maybe fans do. And so in this case, it just felt like Schneider was like, hey man, we got seven guys all kind of rated around the same. Who do you want? And Carroll was probably like, give me Carson, baby. And then Carson guy. was so, really good as a seventh round rookie. So yeah. yeah why are you yeah. high on he him He came in year, and was like better than Rashad Penny, the first round pick. Of course, Penny's been hurt. And by the way, is now... Going, he just had a uh, Rashad Penny just had a knee scope, so that's kind of an issue um, that could potentially, if not cause him to miss time, 
you know, potentially, you know, just might not mean he's super healthy or he's as explosive as we we're hoping and, and, you know, whatever. It's just one of those things where it's always something with Penny. It's not great. It looks like Carson's going to be the guy for sure this year. Um, he's going to be their lead back. And looking back on the last couple seasons, he's actually been really consistent on a per-game basis. Um, in half PPR, he's finished 14th, 13th, and 14th in half PPR points per game over the last three seasons, respectively. Currently, he's going as the RB20 in half PPR drafts. So, uh, or actually, uh, RB19, I guess he went up over the weekend. I, to me, that just looks like a really good value. People are, again, maybe looking at what happened last year with the Seahawks offense. You know, that's just recency bias. Despite the fact that the Seahawks offense has been good, basically, the entire time Russell Wilson's been a quarterback, they've been efficient and explosive and score a lot of points. So, um I don't know. I still think he's going to be the lead back there. I think he's seen his role in the passing game increase over the last few years, each year. And I think it could ha- could happen again this year with Shane Waldron. I mean, we saw how often uh, the Rams got Todd Gurley involved in the passing game. Maybe that means Carson's going to get more screen plays, things like that. Um, so I don't know. I'm just bullish on Chris Carson, bullish on the CX offense in general, uh, as at least certainly being more uh, effective than people seem to be uh, like rating them. Carson is one of those guys where... I think he's properly rated. I'm, maybe, I think where we have him, we have him currently at 16th. I think that is kind of perfect. And what DK outlined, like yeah. 13th, 14th, 14th, whatever. Like he just is that. He's going to be that. I mean, I be, I think what you basically have to understand when you draft Chris Carson, and I'm looking at his like game log or whatever, like he's essentially misses three to four games a season. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in the games he plays, he's like a low end RB1. So it's like, are you willing to pay the tax? He'll be fine. The odds of him playing 16 full games and getting 300 carries is unlikely. He only had 141 carries in 12 games last year. But when he right. touches the ball, he's good. So I, I don't think he should be like a first-round guy or a top-12 guy. But I think, yeah, 14, 15, 16 is probably right. But you mean 16th among running backs or 16th yes. overall? You're saying among running backs, sorry. So like mid-30s, basically. Yeah. I feel like that is, yeah, he's like the staple mid-30s guy. Okay. So can I toss out another dude for you guys? Sure. Yes. That was a dumb question, obviously. You, you sound funny. You, this is an interesting way of uh, setting setting the play, but yes, go ahead. So, okay. Well, really, I'm just nervous to talk about this guy because I'm going to get it shit on from DK. So, <laughs> I like Antonio Gibson from Washington, which is really fucked up yeah. because I think I was the most anti-Antonio Gibson dude last year, and DK loved him, and I was like, I wasn't just like, disagree. I kind of was really smug about it and was just like, I'll wait for you to be wrong. And then you were right, which yeah. kind of sucked. But you played the, the odds, was like, though, Heifetz. Like, you, you had a great shot. Here's the deal. Antonio Gibson had like more carries in his first like three NFL games or something than he did his entire career at Memphis. So I just didn't think that was going to happen, but it did. And he was basically a wide receiver who was cosplaying as a running back. And I'm like, well, maybe he'll get third down work. He won't get first and second down. Plot twist. He got first and second down and not third down. That was wild. Didn't see that coming. But here's what's wild is that he's probably going to get more third down work this year. So he's like a sneaky three down candidate because here's the thing. J.D. McKissick. Did he have the most running back targets last year? I believe he did. Yeah, he led all running backs in targets, which is crazy. J.D. McKissick, who is actually kind of a fun player to watch, also kind of boring, but like he's not, he's, he's, as DK would say, a jag. He's just a guy. Like, he had 10 times as many third down snaps as Antonio Gibson did last year. 10 times the snaps. But now the Washington coaches are saying they're going to get Gibson the ball more on third downs. They like how Gibson's running routes. So Gibson, whose skill is receiving... He's probably way in line for way more work. And I just think that he's a really good value. He's like kind of going to like mm-hmm. mid-20s. I think I'd be fine with taking him in like the middle of the teens and not among running backs overall. Like I can see him taking him as some of the, like the best receivers. I, I kind of would rather have him. I think he could be a monster. My only issue is he's like dealing with turf toe right now. So like that sucks. So hopefully it's not a thing in August. But I, I yeah. really like Antonio Gibson this year. Mid- middle of the teens. So if you look at our rankings, our middle of the teens is Calvin Ridley 14, DeAndre Hopkins 15. Travis Kelsey, 17. So you think he belongs in there? I guess late. I mean, you're probably not going to take him over Kelsey, but like, yeah, I think you could round out the round with him there. Absolutely. Here's my one fear. It's JD McKissick. You're Those only, guys, you're not a fear. You're not afraid of anything else other than something involving Antonio Gibson. <laughs> Every night I go to sleep and I go, are you afraid of coffee? I'm, I'm not afraid of coffee. You're afraid I, of caffeine. Listen, uh, my tolerance is low. So caffeine kind of messes <laughs> me up. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> that's a fear of being out of control, but we'll deal with that another day. 
We'll do save that for fantasy <laughs> yeah, therapy. Let's dig deep in that. I later. enjoy alcohol, so explain that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, here's my thing. JD McKissick is kind of like he's theoretic. There's been a lot of these guys in the past, right? They just don't go away. James White. James White. <laughs> James White. They just don't go away. What have you ever heard about the theoretic just no longer getting snaps? McKissick will have 50 catches this year and he will limit Antonio Gibson's ceiling because coaches love to do that and they love these guys. And I don't know why, but the Darren Sproles, the James Whites, the theoretics, I'm nervous that McKissick is going to be playing way more than all of us want. And like week four, we're bitching about it. Yeah. No, I I think that's fair. I think the one thing to keep in mind is I'm I don't know about you guys. I think Washington might have the best defense in the NFL this year, at least in the conversation. I think Chase Young's defensive player of the year odds are like really stupidly high, like low or high. I don't know what you think about odds. You can make a lot of money from the Chase Young defensive <laughs> player of the year odds. Like this is a team that in theory might be running more than you think for a Ryan Fitzpatrick led team in the second half of games. So I don't know. I think there's gonna be a lot of work for I, I think there's gonna be a lot of work for Gibson. My one concern is that. Guys who come in with like a receiving wide receiver profile, getting a lot of work doesn't always work out. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like a nitty. He's not Chris. He's not built like Chris Carson. I'll put it that way. But other than that, I love Gibson. So what, what, how many targets do you think you would circle for him? So last year, Gibson had 44 targets, which ranked 25th among running backs. Um, For reference, Josh Jacobs, who famously never gets targets, had 45 targets. Um. I would probably say, yeah, pencil him in for, I don't know, 60 targets? I think he doubles both his numbers. He had 36 catches on 44 targets. I think he doubles both those things. I think he hits like 80 90, targets. Yeah, like 90 targets and like, you know, f- messes around with 80 catches. If he messes around with 80 catches, then I think he's well, borderline. Again, think to Craig's point, to wrap this all in a bow, McKissick outsnapped him on third down 10 to 1. McKissick doesn't have to go away. If that's five to five, go half and half. He can yeah. dub, like it's really in play. That's true. Okay, Craig, who do you who do you got? Um, so kind of sticking with these guys that are towards the top of the maybe the second tier guys. I, Austin Eckler this year, uh, I'm mm-hmm. I'm really into. I loved him the year he went off in 2019, and we kind of didn't know what was going on last year because it was Tyrod Taylor or the Herbert. We didn't know they drafted Josh Kelly, but this year I think he's back and. The Chargers have really seen a lot of change over the last two seasons. Obviously, they fell into Justin Herbert being awesome. But, I mean, they got rid of Melvin Gordon. They've traded and drafted for a brand-new offensive line. They fired Anthony Lynn. They brought in Brandon Staley. They have a new offensive coordinator in Joe Lombardi. Like, everything's different. They could look like a completely different team in 2021. And if you look at Eckler's points per game in the last three years, last year he was 14th in points per game, which I feel like, kind of went undersold. I mean, he had a pretty gnarly hamstring injury that he came back from pretty quickly and was still really good. And the year before that, um, he was seventh in points per game in 2019. And that was splitting time with Melvin Gordon, who was a little hurt that year. But um, in eight full games with Herbert in 2020, Eckler saw 63 targets. So I think like the worry of like, oh, you know, he had all the targets with Phil Rivers without Phil, like, how's it going to be? I mean, he saw eight a game with Justin Herbert. So I I really don't think that's going to be a worry. And mm-hmm. Joe Lombardi's already compared him to Kamara, Reggie Bush, and Sproles. So I think he's going to step right Ooh. into that kind of philosophical role that Lombardi likes with his running backs. And, you know, even if he only saw 12 carries a game, like he kind of usually does, I mean, that's 200 carries. And if he sees 100 targets, I mean, I, he's going to be right up there and like, you know, the best opportunity touches compared to any other running back. And uh, the Chargers don't have a ton of mouths to feed, to be honest. I think that's like the weird underrated. Everyone's all in on this offense. But like, if this offense is going to be great, Evan Silva said it could be a top five scoring offense in the league. Who's scoring? Like, someone's going to have to score a ton of touchdowns for this to happen. Uh, Yeah. And I think Eckler could really benefit from them. Can I play devil's advocate? Sure. Well, actually, let you, me rephrase You that. love playing devil's advocate. Well, actually, no, I, Just go. I actually don't. I, we got an email from Jack who wants to play devil's advocate, who's a Lions fan. And Jack basically <laughs> wrote that, shout out Jack, that Lombardi was the Lions offensive coordinator. Everyone's like, oh, Stafford's gonna like be unlocked mm. with the same style offense. And then like, he was fine. He had the worst QBR since he was a rookie. And like the numbers were okay, but like every Lions fan wanted the offensive court, the Joe Lombardi to be fired from coordinator. And then he was mid-season the next year. They dropped like seven of eight and he was. And the numbers don't really bear that out. But like the point is it was kind of a boring offense. Like I'm curious, DK, what you think the Chargers offense looks like with Joe Lombardi. Because like I get they fired Anthony Lynn yeah. and they kind of had to because of all the coaching mistakes that were made. But 
should we just assume Herbert gets better with a new staff, new offense, do everything? You know, I don't think we can. We can't necessarily just assume that will happen. Um, I will say, I think people are capable of change. I think people are capable of getting getting <laughs> well, wow, better. We are really getting. Are deep. you fucking? Well, is this th- what are we, are we doing today? Are doing Are we doing fantasy therapy right now? Because Hyphen, don't you think people can get better? Okay, Craig, go ahead. <laughs> well, okay, I'm looking at uh, Joe Lombardi was the uh, was the offensive coordinator from 2014 to 2015 on the Lions. Around, yeah. Surrounding that small two-year span he has basically been on the saints since 2007 he was an offensive assistant then the quarterbacks coach and for the last five seasons he's been the quarterbacks coach so he, i mean he's been on the saints working on the offense on like what has been one of the best offenses in the, in the last decade so like i don't know if one shitty lion's year is enough for me to be like well, well no I, I i that's fair well first of all just yeah. way to just shit on jack from <laughs> somewhere in Detroit. But I'm, I'm not at all. Sorry, Jack. No, no, but I think that to your point, no, though, I don't think we're, we're not shitting on Jack. We no, are I'm just kidding. simply saying, I might be shitting on Jack. You cannot necessarily, you can't necessarily just say, oh, he was bad that year or two, year and a half. Therefore, he sucks. I mean, I think it's, you know, Can I tweet Jack's sucks, email? But. Can I tweet Jack's email? <laughs> no. Drew Brees and Herbert have like nothing in common because Drew Brees is just like high IQ, can hit the, you know, the keyhole wow. on the doorknob. You calling Herbie just, low IQ? <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> I think technically I did. That's not what I meant. The point is that Drew Brees <laughs> doesn't have a big arm, but he just peppers the middle of the field and is throwing swing passes and it's about IQ and reading the defenses and just taking it in chunks. Herbert's a gun. He's not doing middle of the field dips and dunks. He's ripping things to the sideline and downfield. Like, they're just different kind of quarterbacks. So I don't think necessarily, like, it'll be like, it'll look like a Drew Brees offense. That's all I'm trying to say. It's different quarterbacks. Like yeah. the, the coach has to bring the skill set. He has to bring out the best in his player skill sets. I think overall, I have a open mind about it. I'm cautiously optimistic because I believe that Herbert's going to be good. Um, the other thing that I think <laughs> is interesting, and, and I hadn't really thought about this too much, but you know, Brandon Staley coming over from the Rams is clearly known as a defensive mastermind. That's why he got hired. He's going to be, you know, he's going to change that defense. Going to be, and what what he did with the Rams was like you know, awesome, the revolutionary, maybe you could even call it. But Staley was a college quarterback. He was a quarterback. So he comes from an offensive background. Um, now, I don't know what how big of an impact that's going to have on this offense or this team, but I would just say Staley's not your typical defensive head coach, if that makes sense, because he's a former quarterback. So I think that's going to be interesting. I, I have an open mind about Lombardi. We'll see how it all goes. Um, I think that Per Jack's email, that is actually a good sort of like sober reminder that, you know, sometimes these guys that we're super excited about don't end up um, being what we thought they were going to be. So um, keep that in mind. But yeah, what I would say overall, like Eckler back to the to circle back on Eckler, I think absolutely has a great chance of just going off this year. And the way that they use him in the passing game, especially in half PPR and PBR, like he's going to be so valuable because of that. Also, the the, the year that Lombardi got fired uh, on the Lions, Theo Riddick had 80 catches that year. Boom. <laughs> he never goes away. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, so yeah, I guess like, my question would be just overall, like, do you, we had, we had this talk on the Ringer NFL show. Do you think the, the do you think that the Chargers are going to be a good team? <laughs> just that's the question. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. I mean, you're on the Chargers. Yeah. Backup. What am I going to yeah, say? Third straight. Yeah, yeah, wait. Are you just... <laughs> a little biased. Are you just gassing up your coach? That's what's just gassing up your, your running back here. Okay. DK, who's, who's next for you? Okay, so another guy I think that is a pretty good value right now is Miles Gaskin from Miami. I love this one. I have no idea what to think about Miles Gaskin. Yeah, so I think that, you know, there's a there's a bias against him or, or there's some doubt uh, around him. And I, I get that because he's only really done it for one year. Um, former, I think he was undrafted, or if he wasn't, he was like a seventh rounder. So late round, undrafted type guy. Seventh round. Uh, seventh round, okay. Um, and so I think there's people definitely just still doubting whether he's going to be the guy, you know, that they lean on. Um, but if we're looking at last year, same coaching staff, more or less. Um, you know, they have new offensive coordinator, new play caller situation going on, but same head coach. He was definitely their guy last year. Uh, he was the RB12 in half PPR points per game, 14.4. And right now he's being drafted as the RB24. So seems like pretty good value. And he's going to get the volume that we're always chasing in fantasy. He, he's, you know, ninth in snap rate last year. So he was getting 70, almost 70% of the snaps in that backfield. 
He was sixth in target rate on the year behind only Saquon Barkley, who only played one game, Kamara, McKissick, Eckler, and James White. He averaged 4.7 targets per game. So he's, he's getting that valuable passing game usage. Um, and after taking over as the lead back in week three for the Dolphins, he averaged 15.6 rush attempts per game, which is pretty solid, honestly, especially in the NFL today. For some context, Jonathan Taylor averaged 15.4 rushes per game. Nick Chubb, 15.8 rushes per game. Aaron Jones, 14.3 rushes per game. So he's not like, you know, Derrick Henry, 23.6 rushes per game where you're just getting the the bell cow roll. Um, but 15 rush attempts, 4.7 targets per game, that's really good volume. Uh, the- so we, that's what we're chasing. And I don't know for sure if he's going to continue to get that kind of volume. But that's like, I guess that's why he's depressed in value right now. With all of my heart, DK, I want to agree with you. But like, I really thought Thank about you. putting Miles Gaskin in the 40s, like when we did our first round of rankings, because I'm like, he's going to be the guy. Here's the problem with me. Like, here, mm-hmm. to be clear, Miles Gaskin's good. Like, he should be a higher draft pick. Like, he's a good player. He played well. He was good at Washington too. Yeah. But the when the Lions cut Carryon Johnson and he went to the Eagles, the Eagles claimed him off waivers. The Dolphins had the second waiver claim on him, which makes me think they're going to sign a veteran back, which is upsetting. So, like, as of right now, Todd Gurley. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, as of right now, June 28th, I agree with what you're saying. I just am dubious that August 30th, Todd Gurley or someone won't be signed, and in that case. It, the whole Gaskin argument screwed because that was just a talented guy with an ambiguous situation. But like, otherwise I'd agree with you, but I think they're going to sign someone. That's still an option. That's still clearly something that could happen. I think I heard over the weekend that Gurley's planning on signing with the Ravens. We'll see what, we'll see if that comes to fruition or not. But I think at the end of the day though, is a guy that's signing in June or July or August going to come in and be the starter? Or is he just going to be like a camp body who could, who could be depth or whatever? I mean, this guy was their starter last year. Who was what? Oh no, when? Uh, no, that's sorry. The Texans. I mean, I guess I shouldn't compare anyone to Bill O'Brien, but they traded like a third <laughs> rounder for Duke Johnson, right? And then, like, I don't know if it's three weeks later, or three months later, they just signed Carlos Hyde off of waivers, and then just <laughs> yeah. played him. Carlos yeah. Hyde is just a killer everywhere he goes. Yeah, he's like the theoretic, but of the running carries guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I'd say the, there's there's. Okay, that's the reason, and there, there are several reasons why I think Gaskin's going lower than he probably should be, and I understand that. I think that's fair. Um, we don't know exactly how he's how much he's going to be used this year. I think his his target rate could decline um, because now they've got Fuller, Waddle. Sounds like they're trying to stretch the field more, be more vertical passing offense, less dump offs, fewer dump offs. That kind of thing could certainly impact uh, Gaskin's overall production and value so i understand that however i still i still think the gap between where he's being drafted and where he's probably going to end up being um as a producer is is pretty wide so that's why i would just say he's a good value he's, he's somebody i'm, I'm going to be targeting in drafts a lot because i think people are just discounting what he did last year so i'm looking at fantasy pros he's going around 60th overall where do you think he if, if no one gets signed like he's just the only guy in the backfield no todd Gurley, no nothing where do you think he should go he's going 60th right now so, hold on. What are you looking at? Because I'm looking at half PPR on Fantasy Pros. He's at 50. I'm looking at expert consensus on Fantasy Pros. Oh, okay. I'm looking at ADP. So, there's a 10-spot difference between ADP and consensus and ranking, which I guess. Is, so. I just which don't is like telling. I don't like ADP this time. Who's doing drafts in June? That's a good point. People like That's DK. You know, you can't go off that. So, let's just play the name game. Uh, would you rather have Gaskin or Raheem Mostert? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I'm just gonna I'm just gonna jump ahead right now because one of the guys <laughs> I had here was Trey Sermon. Yeah. Trey Sermon's okay. the he was a third rounder. The Niners traded up to draft Trey Sermon, and obviously the Shanahan running backs is it's a whole it's it's like a lifestyle. It's like the Shanahan running backs, like like the, all the guys they've turned into fantasy superstars. And the question is just who's gonna get the Niners carries? But here's the thing. It's it's usually it's a whole mess. This year, I feel like it's not quite as difficult. It's like Jeff Wilson has a knee injury. He's out for like six months. Raheem Mostert yeah. already has a knee injury. Like it's like light, but like he's our. I will see if that's a thing in camp. But like that kind of matters for a guy who just seems to always kind of have some lower body injuries. Mm. And then Tevin Coleman's gone, and so you just got Wayne Gallman, and they traded up to get Trey Sermon. Who I mean, you tell me, DK, isn't the Ohio State running scheme kind of similar to the like that outside zone like? one cut slash runner like Trey Sermon seems like a pretty yeah. good style they traded up to get him yeah I feel like so as much as I like Raheem Oster he's a really nice he's like he's a good story 
But I feel like Sermon's the starter, so I actually would take Gaskin. And I and that's also a plug for I like Sermon. That's one of my top targets. Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I think that, you know, and we're going to do this episode, I think, later in the offseason when we get closer to the season. But, like, the un, the unclear backfields, the muddy backfields is such a good opportunity to, um, you know, find value at the running back position. I think right now we really just don't know. I think Mostert is still going to get his carries, assuming he's healthy. Um because he's an explosive element. He's definitely different styled than Trey Sermon. So maybe they're going to do like a thunder and lightning type thing with Mostert, who is legit world-class speed. Uh, and then Trey Sermon, who's more of like a grinder, break tackles. Um, you know, he, he's a big back. And Heifetz, like you said, when he finally kind of got in tune with the offense at Ohio State after transferring there, he started to kind of like pick it up halfway through the season. Then he and down the stretch, man, he went off. He was like carrying that offense. And so I'm sure that's why the 49ers like, we got to get this guy. We're trading up. I think they gave up two fourth round picks to move up to get him. Um, so clearly they had him as a guy that they really wanted in this offense. So I actually, you know, I, I like Trey Sermon. I think I'm starting to um, come around and, and, and be higher on him than I was originally going through these because I thought, oh, they'll probably lean on Mostert. But I, I, Mostert is like one of the most unreliable guys, you know, main type running backs in the NFL right now. You just don't know what you're going to get from him. So um, I really do like the Mostert one. Right now he is, uh, or not, sorry, I like the, the Sermon one. And I think that he's probably going lower right now still. I think the Sermon thing is great. I love Sermon. I, he's when I made my little rookie running back rankings. After he's my number two behind uh, Najee. I really do think at the Ooh. end of the year he's going to be the second best rookie running back. I mean, like the Niners notoriously don't Shanahan's Niners notoriously don't value running backs. Like they don't. They think they're all the same. But so it's kind of telling if they trade it up. This is the highest they've ever taken a running back in the Shanahan era. I think it means something, mm. and he's really good, and everybody else is hurt all the time. I don't think it'd be a shock if like he was getting 15 to 18 carries a game in like week 15. I don't know. I guess it just depends on how yeah. quickly he can pick up the offense and pass block and all the stuff like that. But uh, I think it's a great pick, Heifetz. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Can I throw out another rookie running back at you guys? Sure. Very similar conversation. Please do. Javante Williams for the Broncos. It's kind of the same story. The Broncos traded up to get him. Except the difference is Trey Sermon for the Niners was a third rounder. The Broncos traded up to the 35th pick for Javante Williams. That's basically so a, first a first rounder. rounder. Yeah. He's a first rounder. And he's he's being drafted like, I don't know, somewhere around like the 70s. Like Melvin Gordon is like obviously a way bigger name. And I think that that's a part of the reason. Like it's a little hard to rank a rookie over Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon, the people who signed Melvin Gordon in that contract are gone. John Elway is not running the team anymore. He's there, but he's not running the team. George Payton's the new GM. He didn't sign Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon's 28. He has a history of a bunch of injuries. And like, he's a free agent after this year. And then the new GM comes in, doesn't care about Melvin Gordon, trades up, basically uses a first round pick in Javante Williams. And I think this is going to, Javante Williams, I think is going to start in week one. I think he's going to be at least a two down back. Melvin, I don't think he's a three down back. I do think Melvin Gordon will have a role, but like, I don't see any reason. And also, Philip Lindsay is gone. He's on the Texans. I don't see any reason that Javante Williams doesn't have a big role. I think it's just a little scary to put, I don't know, maybe the second best running back from UNC Chapel Hill in the draft, like in the top 60 or so. But like at the end of the season, he's just one of those guys that just seems like a good candidate to be way higher up than he's being taken right now. Like, I, I have no problem with him as a top 60 pick. He's like 75th right now. So I'm looking at ADP. He's 107th, according to what I'm looking at. And he's going well, behind. ADP, he's the RB. 
ADP, who's drafting right now? I think we should use the consensus. I mean, there's rankings. best ball. It's best ball stuff, I think. Oh, best is, ball is ADP? So, That's even wilder so, than me, actually. You know, I, I, so this is a this is a combination of Yahoo, Fantrax, and FFC. So who knows what where you're drafting. It could vary, you know, dramatically. But like according to what I'm looking at on Fantasy Pros, it's he's going behind guys like James Conner and Zach Moss and Devin yeah, Singletary, which I think is is a bit wild. And I I actually I hundred percent agree with you about this one because I think and I even saw, I'm pretty sure beat writer for the Denver Post, Ryan O'Halloran, I think he predict i could be getting this wrong no he, he predicted pretty sure yeah. he predicted that he's going to be the starter to start the season so you know i don't know i think this is great i think right now especially if you're drafting early <laughs> go get this value because he's probably going to shoot up draft boards um and adp by the time we get to august and it's becoming more clear i think that he's going to be the guy he's really good really elusive guy like you said they traded up to get him um his his passing down work is is the big question mark but i still think where he's going, like that doesn't matter. Like you're still getting really good value, even if he's only an early down grinder and goal line guy. Um, so yeah, I like this one a lot. I think I almost put him on the on my list. Um, so I completely agree with you. Okay, so I like Javante. I like Trey Sermon. Craig, you got another guy? Yeah, I'm going to shoot back up the, the the draft board a little bit. I want to talk about Clyde Edwards, Elaire. Mm. Oh, last year's Chiefs. rookie du jour. Yes. Who we all talked ourselves into. We were a little too high. Yeah, a little too high on him. Is this like the cautionary tale for the conversation we just had? I think there's some... We we should do a (laughs) post-time sleeper episode down the road, but he is firmly in that category for me. Listen, I don't think... Yeah, but Javante Williams isn't going in the first round type of... (laughs) That's a good point. Not like fifth. Yeah. Clyde was like legit going fifth. Um, But I don't think the spirit of the argument, it was wrong. So like... Clyde last yeah. year, I mean, he wasn't amazing. He was the RB23 in points per game. So he was a low-end RB2. He was fine, like, actually watching the games. He wasn't bad by any means. Like, he had some good games. He was decently productive. He could catch. Like, he was fine. I think the usage was probably the biggest problem because he's on the Chiefs and it's difficult. He was all over the place. Last year, he had three games with under nine rushing attempts, and he had three games with over 20 rushing attempts. So, like, he was completely all over <laughs> the place. But much like the yeah. Chargers— the Chiefs completely revamped their O-line. They got Kyle Long, Joe Thune, Orlando Brown uh, after getting, you know, the O-line was the narrative after the Super Bowl. They patched that up after the Bucks ran all over them and, and blitzed the shit out of them. Or sorry, didn't blitz the shit out of them, but just four rushers were able to get to Mahomes. So I guess what I'm asking is, is it possible that he sees more work than he did as a rookie? I, th- I would say yes. There's no Le'Veon Bell, which is kind of big. If you look at pre-Le'Veon Bell stats, for Clyde, he averaged 18 carries a game and five targets a game. That's pretty fucking mm. good. After Le'Veon yeah. Bell, 10 carries a game and three targets a game. Well, Le'Veon's gone. Damian Williams, who I know opted out last year, but he's gone. So their only backup is Darrell Williams. And I think he is a backup. So like, you know, Clyde's going in the RB 15, 16, 17 range right now. Um, I think people are still going to be maybe turned off to that because of what he did last year. But I actually think that's that's kind of a good value. I mean, he's going around guys like J.K. Dobbins and DeAndre Swift. And I, I think Clyde has way more of a chance of like dominating his team's rushing totals than those two guys. I mean, obviously, J.K. is going up against Lamar and Swift is going up against Jamal Williams. And uh, he's going to be on a bad Lions team. Like, is there a chance? I Even if, even if the, the Chiefs don't, change their philosophy and they throw a million times a game. What they were doing pre-Le'Veon Bell, I think is very possible. And if that's the case, I think he's like a top 12 to 14 guy. So I'm looking at the fantasy consensus rankings right now. Clyde is going, Clyde's ranked like on fantasy pros. Clyde is ranked 32nd. Chris Carson's Mm -hmm. ranked 34th. Who would you rather have? I think Clyde. Yeah, I think I'd go for the, I I think Clyde too. Let me check. (laughs) Mr. Chris Carson himself. Yeah, because well, I think you're you're chasing the upside and you're, and you're chasing the offense that he's in. And yes, I do have Clyde ranked slightly higher than Chris Carson in my rankings. I just confirmed that, so my instincts were correct. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I I like this one a lot because I think it is sort of like the post type sleeper type deal where he's going to be closer to what we thought he was going to be last year. I'm not saying he's going to be. I don't know now if he has like the overall top three potential that I think a lot of people were visualizing um, when they were taking him in the first round last year. 
but I think he, I think we saw like the floor of what he was going to do last year. And it's going to be much, you know, he's going to be much more ingrained in the offense. Again, remember, like these guys came in, didn't have an offseason, all that stuff, all those caveats apply. And now they don't, now he doesn't have um, as much competition for, for carries, all that stuff. I think he's probably going to get more use in the passing game. Again, like Sammy Watkins is gone. It's just funneling everything through. I think the offense will funnel through Kelsey Hill and CEH in terms of the passing game. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like this one a lot. I still think the upside is there. You're going to be in an offense that's scoring a shitload of touchdowns. So, yeah. I mean, that's ultimately what you're going for, right? Is upside. You chase volume, not skill. Not saying he doesn't have skill, but like there are other running backs for Jarek McKinnon and Darrell Williams. It's also the Chiefs. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's the starting running back for the Chiefs. <laughs> we talked a lot last year at this time about Andy Reid's running backs throughout the course of Andy Reid's history as a coach and how, you know, like typically over the years, they've been really, really good in fantasy. You go back to like the Brian Westbrooks of the world, blah, 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 like Kareem Hunt. Um, and I think we we all bought into this idea that that's going to be, CEH is going to be the next guy. I, I don't think that narrative is dead necessarily. I, Maybe this offense is just so different with Mahomes. It's going to be so much more pass heavy that it's a little different from like Reed's past. But I still think CEH has tons of upside. Here's the problem when we compare a guy to like, oh, it'll be like Brian Westbrook. Brian Westbrook didn't have more than 200 carries till he was 27 years old. (laughs) Yeah. So like that's kind of the different NFL back then too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll see. But I, again, I agree. I, I like Clyde. It's just also elite name. Clyde, unbelievable. Clyde the Glide. Okay, who wants to go next? Fight. <laughs> uh, I can go next. And so, again, I'm not necessarily saying this is the guy I'm looking for in every single draft, but I do think he's a good value. Travis Etienne of the Jaguars. I think that based on some of the the offseason OTAs and minicamp narratives, people are a little bit scared off by the Urban Meyer factor, and I think there's some validity to that. I'm scared off by the Urban Meyer factor. Yeah, basically, people think that Urban Meyer is going to be an idiot and and ruin like what is a talented roster and and whatever. There's talk of ETN being a quote slash in this offense, which means he's just like you know the Percy Harvin Curtis Samuel role in Urban Meyer's previous offenses, where he's not going to be a full time running back. Essentially, there's this idea that he's not going to be a full time running back. However, I still think he's going to get enough touches, enough run, en- enough carries and targets to be a pretty darn valuable fantasy option, even in year one. Again, this, remember, this is a first-round pick. This is the first pick um, outside after Trevor Lawrence, obviously, that they made. They clearly are going to have a plan for him. People are very scared off, though, about the fact that Urban Meyer came out and said, oh, we wanted um, Kadarius Tony, blah, blah, blah. He's going to be a slash. But Can you explain what a slash means? It's like, I forget exactly what they call it. It's kind of like a... It's like an H-back sort of deal where you li- he lines up as like a wing back. You can line up in the slot. You can line up in the backfield um, doing a lot of like jet sweep stuff. It's not just a dedicated running back where you're gadget lining up. In- if I close my eyes, I'm hearing Corderell Patterson. Terrifying gadget. I'm hearing Corderell Patterson. Tavon Austin. Doesn't sound I'm hearing great. Tava- I'm hearing guy like, like this is really, this is not helping. I don't. This is why his, I think his ADP is depressing right now. Um, According to the ECR, he's RB35, which again, seems just way too low to me. Uh, when you look at some of the things that they're saying about him, so like Urban Meyer said, quote, he's much more than a running back. He's a slash. We did not recruit him just to be a running back. I love that he uses the word recruit. Um, Brian Schottenheimer, who's the passing <laughs> game coordinator. That's concerning, honestly. That's like, that's one of those little things that's like, shouldn't matter to me. But doesn't that bother you right. that he's working in the NFL now and just can't get the word recruit out of his brain? Not really. Does that kind of matter? Really. How old do you guys think Urban Meyer is? Uh, Just off the top of your head. He's uh, 61. What do you think, DK? 55. He's 56. I feel like everyone thinks he's 65 and he's like losing his marbles. Well, it's because he's retired twice for health complications. <laughs> so it's like it kind of, that ages you in my head. <laughs> but like, though I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Like what kind of offense are they going to run in Jacksonville? Daryl Bevel's the OC, right? But like, is he running it or like is Urban Meyer running it? Uh, well, according to what we've heard and reports that are coming out, he is 
I think he's going to have a say in sort of like the overall philosophy, the overall big picture stuff, but er, like he's not going to be calling plays. Daryl Bevel's coming in and running the offense more or less. Um, so again, yeah, these are all the questions. You guys are both obviously on the side where you're like nervous what Urban Meyer brings. But I, I personally no idea just, what's happening. I just don't think that they spent a first round pick on this guy to use him as a gadget player. I think he's got he's he's a really good prospect. He's got speed, breakaway ability. He has the ability to play as a cat, a pass catcher. He has early down. He got like volume in college, like not necessarily per game because like Clemson was always winning like fifty to fourteen by the time the third quarter ran around came around and he would like sit the rest of the game. But um, I do think that there is a world where he gets something like eight or nine carries and say three to six targets per game. That doesn't sound like a lot. It doesn't. But well, that's my fear is that I want to note something because yeah, like the the context is important. I'm not saying he's going to be like an RB1 this year and be like this elite fantasy asset, but it's important to remember Alvin Kamara has pretty consistently over his career averaged around 12 carries and 7 targets per game. That is like and he's and he turns that into absolutely elite. Yeah, elite but isn't production. that the exception, I don't think that's a fair comparison. That's not a fair comparison. Alan Kamara is like the fourth most touchdowns to start his career ever, and he's playing for the Saints and Sean Payton. That's fair, and I'm not saying he's Alvin Kamara, but I'm saying, like, I don't think that's, like, crazy to think. Like, he could get eight to nine carries and six targets a game. Yeah, I don't think we actually have to disagree here. I guess I would tweak what you're saying to, you're right that they don't, I don't think they drafted Travis Etienne in the first round to not use him. What I'm saying yeah. is that that role sounds like the kind of thing that's more useful for real-life football than fantasy. Like, when Travis Etienne lines up as a running back and then options out to receiver and then they got to bring a linebacker out or they just, or they have a, he line him out slot and then put him in the backfield, like, or you put him on a jet sweep and it's a fake. That's just making defenses think about shit and you're putting it on tape and then your opponent next week has to plan all week for what happens if Travis Etienne goes in motion. And you know what I mean? But, like, that's very valuable for a football team, but that doesn't matter in fantasy. And that's kind of my concern is that he will be valuable to the Jaguars, but like not to you on your team. Right. I don't know. I, I The Camara thing, I guess, is like a bad example because he's the clear best, you know, most efficient guy over his career. But like, what about saying he's going to be similar somewhat to Austin Eckler, who was an undrafted free agent? Well, yeah, you know that's I mean? the like, flip side. Explosive guy. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think he's talented. Like, I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's Kamara. I don't think that comparing him to Kamara is fair. And so that's a good point. But, but yeah, I mean, if you pitch him as the Jaguars, Austin Eckler, who has a relationship with Trevor Lawrence already, I think it's something that's exciting. I don't mean to tear down ETN though, because here's the thing. Isn't he like one of the most prolific college football players of all time? Urban Meyer seems yeah. to like college. He drafted him first. He's obsessed with him. Here's the thing. <laughs> no shade to James Robinson, who we all love. He said, he's still an, I don't, look, the players say all the time, it doesn't matter what you did last year. It doesn't matter what you did last week. James Robinson's an undrafted free agent that has no ties to this team. Like the organ, the people running the team now. Like the flip side, I, 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 I think that Travis Etienne gives me more confusion than like any player this season. Other than all of the Houston Texans. Yeah. I would, uh, Jaguars in general, I feel like just no one knows. The, uh, I do think that, um, I think James Robinson's still going to have a role with this team. But basically, since they got here, um, the coaching staff, whether it's Urban Meyer, whether it's, uh, you know, Daryl Bevel or, or Schottenheimer, who is their passing game coordinator, they keep talking about wanting their offense to have speed. They want to be explosive, yes. they want to have speed. And ETN is that guy. Like he was yeah. the explosive running back in college. He scored seventy-eight touchdowns in college. Um, <laughs> he has, and that's really the the that's how he's defined. Honestly, is his explosiveness and speed. He's not super shifty. He's not Alvin Kamara in terms of making guys miss in space, or you know, making guys miss in the, in in a phone booth or whatever. But he is super fucking explosive. Like he can hit zero to sixty in in a blink of an eye, and that creates big plays. I think they're going to use him to, you know, try and get him opportunities to do that. Brian Schottenheimer said the other day, quote, he's got electric speed. He's got the finishing speed. We know what he is as a runner. He's amazing in space. And now it's been kind of fun to try and teach him some nuances that go in the passing game. All we're doing by doing that is adding value for him. So I don't know, man. I just still think people are afraid of like the quotes and stuff. And I get it. But look at what they did. They took him in the first round. He's Trevor Lawrence's college 
running back. Like, there's that instant connection there. He's going to get touches, man. He's going to get touches. And I think he's going to get enough touches to be fantasy viable and probably outplay his ADP. You're saying my fear to Urban Meyer is that I need to believe people have the capacity for change. <laughs> yes. That, that, Go okay, back to that. Don't worry about the fact he called it, that he said they recruited him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I like Just that. look past that. That's yeah. old school. <laughs> God damn it. We recruited him by forcing him to come to our team by picking him in the draft. <laughs> <All> of a recruit. <laughs> I, I, I'm excited to recruit Christian McCaffrey with the first pick out overall in drafts this year. <laughs> Craig. It's all about the program. <laughs> all about the pro- Craig, who you got? The name on everybody's minds this offseason, Gus Edwards, Ravens. Gus the bus. Gus the bus. Just kind of flying into the radar. Gus Edwards signed a two-year, $10 million extension with the Ravens this offseason. Mark Ingram's gone. He's on the Texans along with 15 other washed-up running backs. Um... Gus Edwards, 5.2 yards per carry for his career. Pretty good. He pretty much has the exact same year every single year on the Ravens. He's had between 711 and 723 yards all three years, which is pretty good. That's and so specific. I know. I mean, literally, he's had within a 12, 12 yards for all three seasons. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, there's no like unbelievable argument I have here besides Mark Ingram's gone. They paid Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards is a, is a good runner. Uh, he led the team in carries last year. In fantasy process, Dobbins is the RB16 and Edwards is the RB19. Um, and if you look at last season, Dobbins- No, was, 39. Oh, sorry. That's what I meant. RB16 and RB39. <laughs> and last season, Dobbins no. was the running back 21 and Edwards was the running back 35. So it's like, why is he worse now? I don't understand that by any means. And listen, even if he gets 10 to 12 carries a game on the best running offense in- football which is basically what he's been getting when mark ingram was still around like i think he's like a viable flex pick and also once again this is what i've been pitching with wide receivers if something were to happen to dobbins i mean edwards becomes like Mm. a top 12 guy because there's no longer that split that's happening between the two of them same thing is with dobbins but dobbins is going so much higher even if he starts the game quote unquote i don't think edwards is going anywhere yeah unfortunately (laughs) my 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 Dobbins fandom is is like cringing during this whole talk, but it's actually true. Like they, I feel like they're still going to use these guys pretty evenly. Like they love Gus Edwards. They want to run the ball. He's so good downhill. He's, he breaks a ton of tackles. He's a big physical guy. He's like 230 something pounds. So it's hard to tackle him and people have to, you know, it's, it's one of those old school philosophies. I think the Ravens have where it's like, we want you to like, it's going to hurt when you have to tackle us. And Gus Edwards is that guy. Um, Craig, I think the best thing you said is th- that extension means they're going to play him. Yeah. That's not a handcuff. He's more Two than years, a handcuff. 10 mil. Getting, yeah. The one thing I just want to say is that I think the first argument that Craig and I ever had on this podcast was I called Gus, Gus the bus. And you said, how dare you? <laughs> Jerome <laughs> Bell is the bus. We will never call Gus the bus. I said, it'll Gus make it a thing. Gus the U-Haul. <laughs> and you... <laughs> You know, you said it already. And so, wow, that was, that was like a full circle moment. I've right been there. beaten down. Yeah, the, the years have worn on you. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! All right, TK, who else you got? Another guy that I kind of like, and, and again, this is just a good value, I think, is Zach Moss mm. from Buffalo, who is going, I think he's going as the RB37 in ADP. So people are clearly not high on him. And I kind of understand why. Like, you're in a really, really pass-heavy offense with the Bills. They're not, according to, uh, you know, their offensive coordinator, they're not, Brian Dayball, they're not trying to change that in 2021. Like, they're still going to be pass-heavy. And... They used a rotation, like a, a committee approach at the running back position last year for the most part. He's still got to beat out Devin Singletary. There's there's reasons that he's going this late. However, I do think in a perfect world, the, the Bills are going to want to run the ball efficiently. And I think they're going to want to lean on Zach Moss, who is more of a banger, like big 230-pound guy who can uh, you know run between the tackles, do some sustaining runs, be useful in the red zone. Um and down the stretch, that's how it looked like things were kind of emerging for the Bills. From weeks 13 to 17, the the end of the season, um, he outcarried Singletary 41 to 21. Um, 
And importantly, he was utilized pretty frequently in the red zone, especially inside the five-yard line. He ranked 16th among running backs in inside the five-yard five yard line carries, which doesn't sound like crazy numbers, but remember, he was in the pass heaviest offense in the NFL and was like in a rotation. So he had 11 of those inside the 10-yard, inside the five-yard line. His inside the five-yard line carry rate, which is a PFF stat I saw, 9.8% was fifth among all running backs. So 11 of his 112 carries were inside the five-yard line. Josh Allen steals some of those red zone carries, but I guess the question is, is that going to continue forever? Is that going to be a situation the Bills try and get away from a little bit this year? I don't know if that's the case because he is just so big and strong and powerful and all that. But they also don't, I think, they have to be aware, like they don't want to wear him down too much. Um, They don't want him to have issues with, you know, his shoulders or whatever, like, just give the ball to Moss, especially if he's effective, and take care of it um, instead of giving it to the most important player on the franchise, if that makes any sense. So I'm I'm just a little curious if the, you know, Josh Allen, I think it was like 989 or 988 or whatever, how many rushing touchdowns he's had the first three seasons. It's like been very consistent. I'm, I'm wondering if it's 999 for a second. <laughs> no, 998 or I don't know what it is. I mean, Herman Kane, like 999. Um, so I guess my point is I think there's a chance Zach Moss not only takes over as the lead guy in this offense over Singletary where Singletary is more of a change of pace but he could end up scoring more touchdowns and turning himself into like a flex play it's it's sort of in the same vein as the Gus Edwards thing I don't think he's going to be an elite running back necessarily but if you're looking for a guy that you can have that can come in and be a good flex option for you I think this could be you know, we could see a change in how Buffalo's backfield looks this year. Yeah, it's kind of like Clyde, where it's like, if you can have the starting running back on maybe the best offense in football, like it's worth it. And if he's going super late and he ends up being the starter and kind of dominating snaps over Singletary, yeah, I think it could probably end up being maybe not a top 10 running back. Like this guy could end up being like an RB2 on your team that you didn't really expect. He makes sense if you're punting on running back. Like if you're starting with like Devontae, Travis Kelsey and like Devontae Adams, your first two picks, and then you get like AJ Brown or someone... And then you're just like, I'll figure out running back later. Zach Moss is like a perfect, perfect. Uh, it's a good zero player. RB. Yeah. yeah. We need to rebrand zero RB because zero RB is actually like seven RB. It's like we need seven <laughs> running backs. Late round RB. Late round RB. The other thing I want to say is I don't know. I don't necessarily know if he's really like a good, good player, but I think he's not. I don't think he's a jag. I think he's better than a jag. Um, just a guy. My favorite term that you use, uh, honestly. It's a ever. great term. You just throw it around. Is Urban Meyer a Jag so hu- in, in two different ways? <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, Jags on the Jags. The one stat I, that I think tends to show the quality of a running back is tackles, like breaking breaking tackles, broken tackles, tackles avoided. Um, last year, uh, Zach Moss, according to PFF, was 14th in avoided tackles per touch. At the same rate, obviously much lower volume, but same rate as Aaron Jones. Austin Eckler, Chris Carson, Clyde, and Dobbins. This is not a jag in my mind. He's an elusive guy. He's big, physical. He can break tackles. I don't think he's an elite guy necessarily, so maybe that is the definition of a jag, I guess. Who knows? But um, I think he's pretty good. Like he's a, he's a good runner. Just like Gus Edwards is a good runner. Gus, the U-Haul. Gus the bus. Gus so the we'll U-Haul. see. In any case, he's cheap. He's cheap. <laughs> That's a good sell. All right. I'm going to, so my next guy, before I give my next guy, I'm going to shout out Craig. Mm. Craig's a smart guy. The smartest thing Craig has ever said on this podcast is that the biggest under-discussed fantasy bias is that we just overwhelmingly are biased toward guys with really cool names. And like, if you just look at the guys that we've already plugged on this podcast, we're talking about Chris Carson, Miles Gaskin, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, Travis ETN, Trey Sir, like those are cool names. Javante Williams, Gus Edwards. Mm. Let me shout out Mike Davis for the Falcons. Mike Davis, who sounds like he works at Dunder (laughs) Mifflin. Which is, this is also going to get me shit because Danny He could tell us about paper stock. He could, right? Really good heavyweight paper stock. I looked up Mike Davis on Wikipedia. There are, he is like the fifth Mike Davis listed under the Wikipedia tab for NFL players named Mike Davis. <laughs> like, like he's not even in the top four yeah. Mike Davises on Wikipedia who played in the NFL. In the there NFL. Are, wow. There are so many other Mike Davises in Wikipedia. There's like a Marxist professor from like UC Riverside. There's like a, a screenwriter mm. who wrote this, the movie uh, 
what is it? Sex Galaxy, which obviously we all saw. So the cinematography is just beautiful. <laughs> it's unbelievable. So like <laughs> that sounds amazing. But here's the thing. I, I I'm serious with this. I the Craig Corollary. I think that Mike Davis would be ranked like 30 spots higher if he weren't Mike Davis, because everyone's afraid he's just a guy. Mm. But the reality is he's the starting running back for the Atlanta Falcons. And yet no one wants to put this guy in the top 60 or 70. This is the opposite to me of what I felt about the Dolphins, where it's like Miles Gaskin's good, but I think they're going to sign someone. The Falcons, I don't think are going to sign anyone. Mike Davis has the job. He's a two down running back. Like there's this whole tier of running backs that are like two down guys that we're all afraid of. Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift. They're like two down guys that we like and are definitely talented, but seem to have limited upside. I don't know why Mike Davis can't be in that group other than Mike Davis. I mean, he might be a three down guy. He got 70 targets last year in Carolina's offense. If you can 80% of CMC. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, like, let's say his name is Trey Flash. (laughs) He's like a top 15 running back. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Here's the thing. So he replaced Christian McCaffrey last year. If you just combine, McCaffrey played like two games, two plus like three technically, but he got hurt. So like if Mm -hmm. you just combine McCaffrey and Mike Davis into just Panthers running back, the top four running backs last year, it was Kamara, Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Panthers running back. Mike Davis played most of those games. Christian McCaffrey played in two freaking games. Panthers running back is the fourth best player. Now, I know it's not the same offense and all that stuff, but it's not like he's going to an offense that doesn't know how to use running backs. Arthur Smith is the coach of the Titans. Yeah. Derrick Henry's above him on that list. Like, And they're clearly confident enough in him as the veteran to hold the... Uh, the and there's no one behind him. There's there is no Patterson. one behind him. The, the Falcons cleared the decks at running back. Todd Gurley, Ido Smith, and Brian Hill got 99%, I'm serious, 99% of the touches last year. All three of those dudes are gone. Like, there's no competition. So anyway, sorry, justice for Mike Davis. I think we need to rebrand him, but... um, Let's just give him a new name. Trey Flash is pretty good. <laughs> Let's just, he'll Trey just give Flash. him a new name and we'll just only refer to him as that. We'll tweet about him as that. Who knows? He's in Maybe Atlanta and Trey Young's like Ice Trey. Can we make him like Hot Trey? Oh, yeah, that's perfect. Trey Flash, yeah. Fla- Trey Flash. Is he a... Not just a flash in a pan. Trey old? Yeah. Trey old. Uh, I, I feel Trey like we bald? can't get past the Mike Trey Davis bald. discussion without reminding Heifetz that he laughed in my face hard when I brought up the idea that Mike Davis was a good sleeper going into the season. This was before the draft, mind you. It was you. before the draft, and I said... A lot the of tough looks for Heifetz on this episode. Heifetz, you, you really laughed hard in my face. Uh, I, you know, especially in, in the COVID era, like that is just... <sighs> Brutal. Wait, are you saying it's it's brutal to laugh at somebody during COVID in general? No, it's brutal to laugh in someone's face like hard. You ever seen Even though face? we're all we're all remote, you know, it's whatever. Regardless. I did laugh in your face. That's that's you know, you're you were right. You were appalled. Right. You were appalled that I would bring up Mike Davis. Okay. Just had to get Okay, that can in. I give my last quick guy here? I'm not, I won't spend too long on him. Please, I, please interrupt the DK just skewering me. Yeah, that would be really nice. So I'm basically gonna do the opposite of what I did last year. Uh, I want to talk about Daryl Henderson on the Rams. Mm. It, it's it's last year, but backwards. Like Henderson was the guy, and then we're like, but Acres though. And now I didn't Acres see Tenet. Is- <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't see Tenet. You'll have to explain. <laughs> and now Acres is the guy, and I'm like, but Henderson though. Like I'm all in on Acres, but mm-hmm. the way I see it, are there's there's three scenario, there's four scenarios that could happen in 2021 in the Rams backfield. Acres is dominant and Henderson barely plays. McVeigh does like a Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams situation. And it's Henderson as a kind of a flex guy while Acres is doing the most, kind of like Aaron Jones, but like maybe like one out of every three drives, it's Henderson. That's option two. Option three is Acres doesn't play well and Henderson kind of takes a bigger role. Or four, Acres gets hurt. So three of those four options are like kind of good for Daryl Henderson. And he's going so late. And unlike a, most handcuffs, He's kind of proven, like he, he he had more yards than than Acres did last year on less touches. He's flashed. He's flashed yeah. at times. Tra- not say. Trey flashed. Yeah. He hasn't Trey flashed. But like we, <laughs> we know, the right. offense is going to be good. And unlike other late round running backs, you got like Naeem Hines, Latavius Murray, Tariq Cohen, and Philip Lindsay. Like the Rams are going to be really good. Mm. Henderson is kind of proven. I think he's one of the safest handcuffs, borderline flex guys that 
you could draft. Also, the Rams running back depth chart is bleak. Besides Akers and Henderson, not a single running back has taken an NFL snap. Did you tell wow. Sean McVay that while he was produ- while you were producing the pod? You're like, oh, Sean, what's with this running back depth? I was like, Jake Funk, dude, seventh round. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of cool names, what if Mike That's Davis? Really, I love Jake, Jake Funk. Funk. That's amazing. <laughs> Can we just call Mike Davis Jake Funk? Jake, Jake Funk East. The three backups on the Rams are all cool names: Xavier Jones, Raymond Calais, <laughs> and Jake Funk. I kind of want to call Mike Davis Funk. Mike Funk. I've already Mike over Trick Flash. Yeah, I like Mike Funk. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that that's my uh, that's my pitch. I, I think Henderson is like a worthy late round RB pick. I love that too. I think that's great. He was a guy that we thought was going to be legit, really good in the NFL too. I don't know what happened, but um, did somebody compare him to Kamara? Uh, the, the, everyone got compared gets, to Kamara. Compa- everyone Chimera. gets compared to Kamara. We should have been listening when <clears throat> when McVeigh and whoever compared him to uh, what's his name? Who did the the Cowboys like Tony change Pollard. your pace back? Oh, Lance Dunbar. Lance Dunbar. Yeah, Lance Dunbar. Oh, Lance. Not even Tony Pollard. <laughs> Lance we should have been Dunbar. listening when the Rams front office compared him to Lance Dunbar after the draft. We should have known. However, we did not know. By the way. Check out Flying Coach with Sean McVay McVay if you want to hear him talk. (laughs) Part two of the Troy Aikman series coming out this Wednesday. It's even better than the first part, in my opinion. Can you ask McVay to give us an exact breakdown of how the backfield is going to go this year? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. The the last episode of the season is going to be me asking him fantasy questions about the Rams. There we go. I love that. Yeah. Crossover event. I have a sense some of those thoughts have bled into this podcast already. Um, Okay. Not true. Not true. (laughs) Okay, so just to recap here. So the guys we like, Chris Carson, Antonio Gibson, Austin Eckler, Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Clyde Edwards-Elair, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, Gus Edwards, Zach Moss, Trey Sermon, Daryl Henderson, and we're just going to call Mike Davis Trey Flash or Mike Funk? Interchangeable? Mike Funk. I like that. Can we do a fan vote? If you email us at ringerfantasyfootball at gmail.com what you would like us to refer to Mike Davis. Mike, or should we do the Mike quotes and just like nickname and then make the nickname a thing and then call him like Funk Davis? Funk Davis. We can't just give him a new name. That's pretty fucked up. But we can give him a nickname. Funk Davis. I like Funk Davis. We should start like a a public movement to give Mike Davis the coolest nickname we can. Like we need to find out. up there. I'd like to find out about his personal life. You know, maybe if he had a nickname growing up. If anybody knows anyone well, that knows Mike Davis. It, gonna be, someone's going to call him Quadzilla. <laughs> no, it's not. You see the pictures of his quads? No, Good we Lord. need just like a like a nickname, though. No one was calling him Quadzilla just like at lunch. Hey, Quadzilla. <laughs> I, have, I have mixed feelings about the the quads thing with like Saquon. Because like, like everyone else, you see the picture Saquad. like, whoa. And then everyone starts talking about it. And you're like, I don't know. You can only talk AJ about Dillon. it so long. Yeah, it's the, the quad. There is a, it's a whole quad war. There's, There's too many quads. It's like the Chris Wars, yeah. but now it's quad wars. I'd love to be called Quadzilla one day. <laughs> keep working at it. Keep working don't at skip, it. Don't skip leg day, Craig. <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh-huh. And people on the spot will never see Craig's legs. Okay, wait. Speak. Uh, one more thing to address here. Speaking of Craig's legs, how are you going to pivot that? I was going to say something that has let. <laughs> I just was going to move on really smoothly okay. and hope no one heard it. Um, I'm just mad. You guys. I, I I go for one week and then you guys are like, let's change the intro music. What 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 happened? So I don't know if you I, I, I don't know if you listened while you were on vacation. We did two episodes, one on wide receivers, one on quarterback. He just doesn't care. He, he just doesn't listen. care. Um but uh we switched it up where DK thanked Lauren and I had to name the musical artists. And I <laughs> spontaneously said Mariah Carey. And then as we were signing off, I was like, you know what's my favorite Mariah Carey song? fantasy and dk was like i also love that song and i was like boy wouldn't that be special if we got fantasy <laughs> to be the intro music of our fantasy football show so mm. in the last four days i've kind of <laughs> I, sh- I mean i i tried to reach out and research ways that i could make this happen and it's quite difficult she's a big <laughs> How star much would this cost us oh so much money but <laughs> what we need can is, you do this show for free Heifetz? we would need um wait wait what if we can we cover the song? Like, can we get one of us or someone like a like a, someone else to cover the song and we play that? I don't think you can do that still. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I'm just asking questions. I don't think I could just grab a YouTube cover of it and play it. Like, I don't... No, we, we record our own cover. But it's still a copyright. We're still using her song. What if we're like ridiculously offbeat? 
maybe. If we're so offbeat, it's it's unrecognizable. Like it's a whole yeah. new song. Unrecogniz- yes, that would be fine. <laughs> Listen, this is what we need to do. We need to find. I'm really praying for our listeners here. Anyone work at Universal Music Group or know Mariah Carey? Because <laughs> we need she her fantasy football. What yeah. we need to bank on is that she essentially just says like, or like her her manager, what label manager executive just says like, yeah, whatever, you can use it, which, it. Ha- which does happen a lot. Like it, it's a thing, you know. So that's that's our biggest bet. I I can Mariah reach- Mariah, <laughs> if you're listening, please. All we want for Christmas is the rights to your song on this podcast. If I had to <laughs> rank celebrities who I think are listening to this pod, Mariah Carey is dead fucking She's last. up there. <laughs> she, is she a first round? <laughs> She's up there. <laughs> no, dead last is like David Attenborough. Yeah, it's, well, he's like a hundred. Because you guys shit all over his show. How we dare did, you? We, we love that shit on my Perfect favorite Planet. show. How dare you? We love that show. <laughs> Wait, out oh, yourself is not right. even you listening. Were shitting on, you were shitting on... Wolves? Well, you shit on something. I think you're shitting I was on wolves. Making fun of the animals, not the show. I would never make fun of David Attenborough. He's a treasure. <laughs> it's the most mind blowing show I've ever seen in my life. I apologize. You didn't make fun of Attenborough. It's the Goodness. best content out there. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Anyway, okay. Let's let's get out of here. But wait, we should tell people right before we thank Lauren and sign off. Fourth of July is Sunday. We're still coming out with an episode on Monday. So we're going to have an episode Thursday this week like we normally do. And we are sticking with an app that will come out Monday morning. Perhaps July 4th themed. You'll see what that means. But maybe. Um, yeah. So that, I just want to let people know that's still coming. Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thanks, Lionel Richie. Oh. Wow. <laughs> You're getting better at You those. had that one in the holster, it sounded like. You did. Yeah. I, for the first time ever, I prepped. Yeah. <laughs> Mariah Carey, reach out to us. <laughs>